All right, everyone. How are you doing? I am Sergio from the Doctoral Podcast International Series, and here with me I have from South Africa. How's it, guys? I'm Nicholas Obal. I'm the founder of Dodgeball South Africa. Yes, Dodgeball is played down here in Africa, right in the, on the south. Um, I play for the South African Green Mumbers, which is our national team. And I also help write a lot of the coaching material and I help coach um, the team as well, um, as well as set up a lot of minor leagues and school uh, dodgeball programs. Thank you, Sergio. I'm very glad to be here. <laughs> oh, thanks. Um, so you play, you coach, you run the organization. You pretty much have no time on your hands, do you? I am fortunate enough to actually do this full time. Um, really? Unfortunately, yeah, I know it's crazy. We actually started as, a, as an events company uh, many years ago. So we started Dodgeball South Africa. It was an events company. We do bachelor parties. We did team building events, birthday parties, all that kind of stuff. And um, I eventually got in touch with the World Dodgeball Association and things kind of fell into place. And we got hold of a national team. You know, we put things together. We went to go play our first international. And from there, we started, started organizing the sport. So funny enough, um, you know, Dodgeball South Africa actually generates a lot of its income through events, school events. We set up, we have this giant inflatable dodgeball arena. It's pretty cool. It's 20 meters by 10. And we play dodgeball in this inflatable arena, not not international level, obviously, but for uh, fun, you know, um, at events. And we take this arena to schools, we take it to uh, companies, uh, we take it to events, we set it up, we do tournaments in it, and that's how we generate income. Um, yeah, so I do a couple of things on the side, but uh, dodgeball is my main income. Obviously, during COVID, that, that ceased to exist for two years, but it's come back quite nicely now, um, and we're very happy. I can honestly say out of a little over 300 episodes in this podcast, you're actually the first person I've come across who does dodgeball essentially full time. Um, and you say you run events through it. So like, I can't imagine playing dodgeball at a bachelor party. That's something that, 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 threw, that threw me off just a little bit. I mean, I've been to several bachelor parties. Dodgeball is not at the focus of any of them. Is, is it a South African thing or what should we? Uh, yeah, I think dodgeball is like the, the, the pre-party, you know, it's it's before everybody drinks too much, you know. And um, generally the way, the way bachelor <laughs> parties go here is there's usually some sort of an activity or an event. So a, a lot of the guys do paintballing and things like that. But like paintballing gets a bit old, you know, and you yeah. probably shouldn't be doing too much paintballing with too much booze. Um, dodgeball... <laughs> They seem to like it. They seem to like having a couple beers and trying to throw the groomsmen or the new, you know, uh, groom to be in the face. <laughs> okay, now that you put it that way, that makes total sense. Um, <laughs> so I know you said you played for. What's the name of your now? You said the Green Mambas. Yeah, yeah, we called the South African Green Mambas. And um, what's your jersey number when you play for the team, and what's the story behind it? Um. Very straightforward, number 16. Uh, it happens to be my birthday. <laughs> oh, 16th of November. Yeah. Okay. That, that's pretty cheesy and straightforward. I'll give you that. Yeah, um, yeah, it is. <laughs> so before we get into the organization as a whole, um, when was your first dodgeball experience and what was that like? How long ago was that? Sure. Um. This ties into actually how I started 
dodgeball and how how that got started. Um, I don't know if I can jump on that same um, topic sure. at the same time. Was it a sure. separate question? So, um, how it actually happened was I have a, a very good friend of mine, um, and she she traveled to Las Vegas, and she ended up meeting a guy and um, having a very nice evening with this gentleman. This gentleman ran a events-based dodgeball company in the UK. I'm not going to say any names. And um, he then, they started this like online relationship, Skype, you know, mostly, you know, and they were talking a lot and, and it got quite serious pretty quickly online as some of these online relationships do. And he decided to come down to, to visit her. And um, she contacted me and said, well, this gentleman's coming down. He's XXX and does dodgeball. And I was like, that's pretty cool. And she's like, well, Nick, I know you, you're running a tutoring business at the moment and you're into business and you like sport. Uh, maybe you can do something with him if he comes down. So he came down, him and I went for beer, chatted, loved the idea because I'd seen the movie Dodgeball. And I think a lot of people in South Africa, especially, we heard about Dodgeball first through the movie. And then we only realized it was a sport in other countries. And I think that's like the most over, you know, in other countries as well. But so I was very excited to do this Dodgeball tournament. Uh, so we set up uh, some friends and groups that got together and we all, you know, dressed up like a typical dress up dodgeball tournament you know um, mm. and that day we were called the the blue balls and we painted our bodies blue and uh, we had this lovely experience in on a beautiful sunny Cape Town day so yeah I'm from Cape Town which is the best part of South Africa just saying sorry <laughs> other parts of South Africa but uh, we had this beautiful outdoor experience close to the sea in this like netted court and we played a, a lovely game of dodgeball and I flipping, fell, in, fell in love with it, loved it. It was so much fun. Um, and after that, I was like, yes, let's let's do this. Let's do this. So him and I became business partners for uh, you know, a year or two. And um, then, um, yeah, things uh, chilled out a bit and I ended up buying him out because, um, yeah, just in the interest, it wasn't working, you know. And mm. uh, from there, I carried on, um, you know, basically taking dodgeball on and, and pursuing it. And to this day, my friend, uh, yeah, basically, I, I forgot to mention, sorry, <laughs> the crux, the funny part, their relationship lasted two weeks once he got down here. <laughs> so it didn't last very long. <laughs> like they were horrible. They, they were horrible for each other. They were not right for each other at all. It was just one of those, you know. Um, <laughs> so, but our business relationship carried on. So funny enough, I actually saw her a couple of months back and we were laughing about it now because she's she's married and she's got a kid. And we were like, you met him so that I could do dodgeball down here. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure she'll love that uh, reminder because if it wasn't for that meeting many years down the road, this wouldn't be happening. So hey. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, what year was this? Do you remember? Oof, that was in, must have been 2000 and about 2014, 2015, very early days. Yeah, you're talking way back right there. Um, yeah, eight, so, eight years or so. Yeah, you've been at it for a long time. Uh, so you started the organization. I think I know who you're talking about. I'll, I'll let you know off camera who I think it is. Um you started the organization in 2014. Clearly, you had a blast. Um, what kind of inspired you to use dodgeball as like a tool for like events that you still do, like let's say bachelor parties and 
corporate yeah. gathering stuff like that what what inspired you to take it that route yeah so actually we went the other way around so we started with the event so the tournament was there um as like a funny event because they did tournaments in the uk but it was like social tournaments and then their main income generator was doing events for mm. companies and team building so we, we we pretty much followed the exact same model we offered team building experiences we offered bachelor party experiences we offered you know uh, birthday party stuff um so we did that for a good couple of years and then only actually got organized as a sport so to speak um and started training and i think our first international was 2017 um playing against egypt we flew to egypt to do the african cup and um, that was the first experience and then the, the second experience was in 2018 when we went to new york city for the world cup invitational um and then egypt came down to play us in 2019 and then lovely COVID happened so everything's been quiet for <laughs> the last two years but uh, egypt actually coming back down to compete against us in july oh wow this yeah they're coming back down we owe them we owe them a beating because they've unfortunately beaten us twice already <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, now you can stoke the fires and, and build the promo for the matchup um, on this podcast yeah. here. I remember watching, I think it was called the Nations Cup in 2017. Yeah, African, yeah, African, yeah, African Cup of Nations. Nations. Yeah. Of course, you guys use FIFA names. Um, and yeah, Egypt <laughs> was, <laughs> yeah, no, I, had to, I had to, I'm sorry. That was low-hanging fruit. Um, no, no, go for it. <laughs> and I just remembered looking at Egypt. Because that took place in Cairo, right? No. Was yeah, yeah, Cairo? that's correct. Cairo. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Correct. All right. And Egypt pretty much swept, I think, every division. Yeah, they did. Okay. We, we got we got pretty close um, on some of the divisions. We got pretty close, but they, they did take us out. Um, and let's, let's, while we're on this podcast, let's just be honest, you know. So after, yeah. I mean, look, if you looked at our strategy there, it was terrible. And, and so was theirs, actually, at the time. We were just throwing you know, single two balls at once and leaving your wings open and all this crazy, crazy stuff that we wouldn't do now as much. But, um, you know, funny enough, after that, we, we trained and we got better players and we worked hard and we thought, look, we are, we are so much better. We are so much better than we were back in Egypt, you know? Mm -hmm. Like this next AFCON is going to be it. We're going we're gonna to take this one. The only problem is they had gotten just as good, but from their level where they were at, you know, they had improved just as much as we had improved. So they were still better. So when we played them again, they, they pretty much wiped the floor across all three divisions. Once again, getting very close on, on some of the divisions. So it wasn't like a walkover. Right. They, they did win all the sets, you know, which is unfortunate. But um, yeah, we're obviously hoping to, to change that this time around. I'm sure you guys will. Um, so between the uh, African Cup of Nations and the World Cup in New York, how much would you say your dodgeball IQ exploded between the two events? Like how much adjustments yeah. did you have to make between um, the African Cup of Nations and New York City? Mm, I guess like the learning curve was steep. It was like, okay, wow, now we know what, what it feels like to play internationally on an international stage. Um, the pressure that comes with it, the training, and, and I guess – the organization of training and getting the team together and the team camaraderie and the politics. And there's a lot that goes behind it. And um, I mean, getting the team to another country, 
<laughs> is stressful enough, you know, at times. Um, but it's also super fun, you know. Like I would think, you know, my favorite thing to do is is, is travel. You know, my even like something that's even better than that is traveling uh, with a group. Something that's even better than that is traveling with a group with a purpose. And that's what what traveling with dodgeball is like. You know, it's it's this amazing experience to to go out and and you have this dramatic you know tournaments and there's so much fun that happens afterwards. I mean, I think the best part is probably all the the fun with with the other teams that you get to have. You know, going after <laughs> them and experiencing the the city and everything. But um, yeah, it's it's a great experience. But I mean, to answer your question, there is a lot of prep, and um, I think we learned. After Egypt, we learned, you know, what we thought we would have to do and then obviously went to World Cup. Uh, we did a bit better in World Cup, actually, because we, we played the Invitational. Because Egypt beat us the first time, we didn't make the level A or Division A of the World Cup. Um, so we played all the Division B teams, which was, I think it was Hong Kong uh, in certain divisions, obviously, Hong Kong, Singapore, um, Ireland, um, or Northern Ireland. I'm not sure which one it was. But... Yeah, Republic of Ireland or Northern. I know they're apparently different. Um, and yeah, there we didn't do, do too badly. We actually came second for the men's. We lost to Hong Kong in the final. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, so we were pretty pretty proud of that. That was that was fun, you know, with a small squad. Um, yeah, small squad or not, but compared to, you know, getting smoked by Egypt, essentially on your home turf, your home continent, I should say, and then two years later, or so going over to the United States and making it to the finals of a of a world event, even though it's in the B list category, that's still a great thing, yeah. dude. Yeah, no, we were very proud of that. It was really great. Thanks. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> what, what was your outside of dodgeball? What was your uh, New York experience like? Ah, oh, it was so much fun. <laughs> we stayed in <laughs> uh, we stayed in Brooklyn. Um, and we had we had these two little apartments. I mean, the area was was pretty. I mean, what we'd call it in in South Africa, uh, maybe this part of Brooklyn. It's it's such a mixed culture there, which is beautiful. So, I mean, there were there were gangster guys driving around with dogs on the seats next to them. You know, there was <laughs> there was pot being smoked like just down the road. There was you know it was a whole mix. It was great, and and you, you get like. There's lots of like South Africa is, is quite similar in certain ways, you know, a lot of vibe, a lot of energy. Um, but we enjoyed it. There's two houses that were next to each other, like con- conjoining almost, and the whole team stayed in, in these two houses. So we we were constantly together, constantly, you know, going out for meals, you know, visiting um, Central Park, or you know, going for trips and doing things. It was it was really cool. So our experience was overall was fantastic in New York City. Um, great, it's a great city. How long did you stay out there? I think it must have been about, look, I mean, if we're going to travel all the way there from South Africa, we we want to make sure it was a good trip. I think I think the minimum the players did was about 10 days. So mm-hmm. it was between 10 days and 14. Um, so we, we got to, we got to, I mean, we I think we were there two or three days before the tournament to acclimatize. Um, and then the tournament was, I think, three days. And then after that, it was just kind of free time, you know, travel. But my best part actually was going out with all the different teams. So we, we got on very well with the Canadians and some of the Americans and some of the all from all different walks of life. And we would all get together. Um, I remember the Singapore team, we got to, we were playing a lot of drinking games with them. 
<laughs> Quite interesting. Oh, uh, okay. Let's hear it. How, how did that turn out? <laughs> Only because I know most of them. Huh? <laughs> Disastrous. No, I'm joking. It was really fun. <laughs> I'm going to just say no. this. Um, Manny was leading it. <laughs> wait, who? Emmanuel. Oh, Robin. Yeah. Oh, no, of course. Oh, you were. You had no chance. Um, <laughs> you had no chance. Let me tell you something. This is for the people at home. The person we were talking about, uh, Emmanuel Robin Tan. He's a dodgeball legend out of uh, Asia, Singapore. Um he has an international team called Alcas, where every year they go to oh, Germany and um, they play under one umbrella. And if you look at their jerseys, each player represents the what has a flag that represents where they where they come from. But one thing you got to know about uh, Emmanuel, Robin, Tan, um, you do not want to go into a drinking war with this man. This man will drink you under the table. I know plenty of people who quit drinking because they drank with him. Do not do that. Do not. If you value beer and you value your life, do not go one-on-one with this man right here. Um, I've seen him drink Brits under the table. I've seen, I've seen him drink Australians under the table, Americans under the table, Canadians. Just If you see E-Man in the bar, just say hi. Drink one beer and then that's it. Because if you try to get competitive with that man, don't do it. That man will wake up at six the next morning and not really care what happened. You're over here vomiting in the sink. Don't do it. <laughs> How many people paid that price? He's drunk and South Africans under the table now, too. <laughs> and South Africans as now that we've listened to. <laughs> yeah. It yeah, was so great. We had at, at, at Madison Square Garden, I think they had the, the final there of the dodgeball um, on one of the, in one of the arenas. And after our game, him and I had went up to the top and had a pint together, um, a, a draft. And um, he was super impressed. He's like, oh, so glad you're having a draft with me. And then afterwards, obviously, all the teams went down, out and partied. It was uh, really fun. <laughs> I think we lost some of our players that night. They only came home the next morning. <laughs> you see, that's what I mean. Don't, tr- don't, <laughs> test, don't test Robin. Don't test Robin. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, so after the World Cup in um, in New York, and obviously you had a great impression, your liver may not have loved you for it, and probably jet lag killed you, but um, how quickly after you coming back from uh, New York did you resume dodgeball? Um, I think we, we took about... Yeah, I think it was a couple weeks break here only. Um, we, played, we played dodgeball all, all year round, yeah. Um, we take about a three weeks break and then we start training, but it's more like social practice again. And then we start getting into the more serious training. Um, I think it's especially when we've got, I think it was after New York, we actually only had, we knew that we'll be hosting the next African cup. So quite soon after that, we, we were super pumped, you know, we were ready. We just, just come back from New York city and we're like, Oh, now we need to, you know, uh, show Egypt a new one. So yeah. Um, I think it was pretty much a month or so max. And then we were back in training. Wait, you guys played Egypt again already? We played them in 2017 first, and I think that's the the African Cup that you might have watched. And then we played them again in 2019, this time South Africa hosted. So the first time they hosted, we went there. The second time, they came down here. Oh, sweet. I I don't think I've seen that. 
Was that ever recorded or streamed anywhere? Yeah, you should check it out. Um, we actually got like little scoreboards at the bottom. And um, yeah, it's definitely, I mean, did you watch the 2017 one or 19? That one, that one I recall because I remember thinking like, oh, cool, there's dodgeball in Egypt. And almost everyone there was from Africa in some way, shape or form. So I'm like, oh, this is like, you know, for me who watch soccer or football around the world, this is like the African Cup of Nations. This is like, mm. you know, UEFA Champions League, but just in South, just in Africa. Yeah. So I remember yeah. watching that very vividly. I don't remember. I'm not sure if it ever popped up on my timeline, but I don't. I, I, I just assumed that was the only one. Yeah, I think we, we streamed it directly to the World Dodgeball Association page. So it's, it's all on there. They've got like... Uh, oh, okay. men ladies and mixed matches from one to i think it was one to six or something all up on there um there's actually quite a lot of other african countries that play dodgeball they're just not they haven't been equipped to get down to either egypt or south africa so there is talk about having the next one in uh, um in another african country that's quite close to other ones that are playing so that we can host you know four five six teams um, instead of just the two Wait, so there's only just two teams? There was more than two teams in 2017. Um, no, there were more than two teams, just two countries. So oh. Egypt had their own mixed yeah, mixed uh, men's and ladies. Unfortunately, we were hoping Nigeria was was on the cards to come. Angola, um, like I said, there's about actually about eight or nine, ten African countries at play. It's just at, at, at very much grassroots, uh, grassroots levels. Um mm. Now they, they could be more developed. I'm, I'm not 100% certain. I just knew with, with COVID, we weren't expecting anybody to, to come down straight away, you know? Yeah. Um, funny enough, Egypt's going to be hosting the, the World Cup in December. Um, so I guess that's what our, our sites are set on. So, you know, playing them now as a African Cup um, in July would be kind of practice for World Cup, you know? Yeah. Um, give them a little preview for how, you know, how, how you want to end the year. Uh, I actually spoke with someone from Morocco back in December, but they're playing foam. Okay. Um, I've also been chatting with um, the president in, uh, I guess, called Cote d'Ivoire, but Ivory Coast for people at home. Um, mm. Yeah, I know they do. Well, she speaks more French, but she uses Google Translate yeah. to... Uh, to talk to me. So yeah, I would say if you want to reach out to her, um, when you guys speak French, yeah, she, she's pretty chill. Um, definitely look to have her on, you know, in in the future. Um, maybe I need to learn a little bit of French, uh, but, um, (laughs) out of all the divisions, which one would you say is the most challenging to watch? And when I mean most challenging to watch, it's like, I don't mean like, like it looks like a car wreck. I mean, like this division has the most closest matchups that you always see. Okay, so you, you're talking about between Egypt and South Africa, or, or um, we 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 can we can uh, go Egypt South Africa, but mainly as a whole. Like, which division do you feel always provide the most nail biters for the people at home who don't, yeah, who aren't aware of uh, yeah. South Africa. Yeah, so I guess um, we've played in South Africa, we've played a lot of mixed dodgeball um, socially at events. Uh, we, we have a couple of tournaments, big tournaments, uh, one of them being the Cape Town Tens. And we are, Dodgeball South Africa is the dodgeball partner at the Cape Town Tens. Cape Town Tens is a smash, massive event that hosts 
uh, rugby, they host netball, they host a couple other sports and dodgeballs on the list. And it's this huge party over two days where they have music, musicians, bands, they've got beer tents, they've got sport, they've got, you know, everything, people come in in kits. And it's this huge event that people fly over from all the, all the country to the whole of the country just to get down here. Um, and for that event, we do the whole thing mixed. Um, it mm. just makes it easier than having all these divisions in one arena. So I guess we, we're quite accustomed to mixed and we, we see a lot of nail biting games that happen in mixed. But if we're talking about uh, international teams from a, a point of which teams had the best nail biting games in the past between us and international matches, I, I must say it's been the, the, the ladies. Mm. Um, they have been the closest um to to taking it um actually and then i guess the from my personal experience the most i guess energetic would be the men's um from a, that's from my personal experience i like watching the speed and the adrenaline and you know the the headshots that come with that <laughs> but uh yeah definitely from an international level our ladies have done have, have had the most nail-biting games like we've on the edge of our seats, wanting them to win or take a, a match, or you know, there's a last-minute catch or something like that. So that's <laughs> been quite crazy. <laughs> so it's always the women who provide the most uh, nail-biting experience <laughs> to watch. Yeah, I guess from the international side, we will we'll see how it, how it turns out at the next couple of international matches. Um, but for our social tournaments, I mean, we do them all mixed anyways, so you never know what's going to happen. I mean, I love it when. When you see a a new a newbie, as we call them, somebody who's quite new to dodgeball, like yeah. take a great catch from some like one of the experienced players, it's it's awesome, you know. And especially when it's a game changer, it's that you know last couple seconds of the game, one team's got two. There's a you know a slightly more inexperienced or less uh, experienced female on the one side, um, an experienced player throws that ball, takes the catch, and then it's you know it changes the whole game. Whistle goes, the underdogs win. Brilliant, love it. So I want to ask you something, something we spoke about earlier. Uh, you're familiar with the show Dodgeball Thunderdome? Yes. Kind of short-lived series. Um, yeah. What did you think of it? Uh, I think it's pretty awesome. I've actually watched uh, two episodes in total, um, but I love, I love the, the concept, you know, being dodgeball fanatic and all. <laughs> would you consider trying out for it if uh if it were to come back i would 100 percent try out for it <laughs> um well i would say it's like a long zoom interview but you're pretty familiar with that already um but yeah uh that and i think they give you a physical so i don't know what else what type of physical that's the part I don't know. I didn't get that far. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I just wanted to put that show out on blast. Um, it, it reminds but, me a bit of a, a, a bit of wipeouts. You know the wipeouts. Yes. Uh, the way they commentate yes. and the way they do things. And actually, when I was in the UK, I tried to. I was going to try out for that. They were having it in a neighboring European country. And I thought, really? Oh, this would be awesome. This would be awesome to try it for. So yeah, Thunderdome was something I'd like. Would be just down my alley. I'm, I'm sure I'd do pretty well at it. I'm sure you do pretty well at it, Sergio. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, for sure. I, I, yeah, why wasn't I picked, producers? I know one of you guys are listening to this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I know at least one producer from the show is listening to this, so don't get it twisted. I will come back. Um, you said you tried out for a wipeout in the UK? 
Yeah, I, I didn't actually get as far as trying out for, but I was living in the UK at that time, and um, they were opening up, um, you know, tryouts for the show. But I think, unfortunately, I was uh, due to head back to SA, so I didn't get to try out for it in the end. But I, I yeah, it was it's on my bucket list to do a show like that. <laughs> Did Not, you play like, for any clubs out there in in the UK when no, you stayed? I, I actually visited the Manchester Bees. Oh wow! Um, and I, I had a training session with them. And that was really fun. Uh, and I went to the Bournemouth Sevens, and I helped um, run the, the social dodgeball there. And then I also like jumped on a couple teams and played played for fun there. Wait, you said what's it? Bournemouth Sevens? Yeah. So the Bournemouth Sevens is like a, a sporting social event. Um, where they've got a whole bunch of sports, uh, like the Cape Town 10s, um, but in the UK and a little bit bigger. And they've got, you know, it's, it's almost like a, if you can mix a festival with sports, it's weird to think about it, but this, they actually, you know, pulled it off. So it's a festival with a whole lot of tents that play random music all day, you know, club music and band music and this and that. And there's a whole lot of people mm. drinking and doing their thing. And then there's also a whole bunch of sport that goes on on, on the side. So people can go to this festival and literally play sport for the weekend and party or just party for the weekend. Um, it's up to you. But I went through to help out, um, set up one of the dodgeball arenas and help like ref and coach and everything. Um, and then I got to jump on a couple of teams there. So that was yeah, pretty fun. That's definitely something I'd like to check out next time I go over there, um, whenever mm. that happens. Um, let's talk about your past a little bit did you have a sports uh, background um growing up was there any sport you were particularly involved in yeah i used to play I've, I've tried every sport i think i was a jack of all trades trying everything didn't really stick with anything i played for, uh, <laughs> tennis at, at high school i played hockey i did judo for a while i've tried karate i did karate for about two weeks and i didn't like it um yeah i, I even did temp and bowling at one stage um, but funny enough, I, I stopped sport in like high school towards the end of high school and I picked up drumming and, um, I started, you know, I went into like a bit of a music career for many years and halfway during that music career, I got the opportunity with dodgeball we spoke about. Um, and that's when I actually reignited, reignited my passion for, for team sport. So... Were you drumming like in a band or were you like in a, like a metal band? Like what kind of drumming were you doing? There's definitely different variants of it. Yeah. So I was, I was into indie rock band. Um, we actually did pretty well out here in the South African music scene. The band was called R Reburn. Um, you can check us out on Spotify and everything. So it's an indie Re rock, rock band. Re Reburn. Yeah. So be careful. There's, there's, there's two Reburns. There's one like super heavy metal band Reburn. That's not us. And then there's like this, uh, indie rock outfit reburn and that's that's us um, that's you. yeah and uh we did that for yeah a couple years we produced uh an album two albums we got nominated for a a summer out here even which was wow. a south african south african music award which is pretty awesome um played some festivals we toured a lot um yeah i guess the the, the music scene is always quite too, quite difficult to crack here in south africa you know I think it's difficult we, to crack anywhere. <laughs> yeah, I think we, we look overseas and be like, oh, it's so easy in the States or it's so easy in the UK because they've got more, you know, indie rock 
fans or whatever, but it's it's probably not. I mean, there's just there's probably even more competition out there. Um, yeah, and I think the music industry is just so you know so tight, and there's so many people trying to get in, um, and so many uh, people that are passionate about it. Um, so they're making music in their rooms these days, you know. Um, yeah. But a, but a cool experience nonetheless. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's funny you mentioned that because um, one of my friends, Tyler, uh, actually interviewed last year. He uh, He's in a band and he kind of took a break from Dodgeball, but he's definitely coming back to it at some point. Uh, his band is blowing up like crazy and uh, I'll definitely send you the link so you can check him out. Oh, that's so awesome, man. <laughs> what what, what <laughs> just, time of music is that? I it it kind of it kind of mixes like sometimes he'll do something like indie and slow but sometimes he'll do like really fast not metal fast but like like we'll we'll say hardcore metal kind of or hardcore rock yeah. we'll go there okay I wouldn't okay. call it metal but um I would say his band kind of reminds me of geez I just had this. Like their goofy side could be kind of like Blink One Eighty Two back in the day. Um, okay. Their heavy side kind of reminds me of a mix between Corn and Puddle of Mud. Mm. And sometimes they have like an '80s kind of vibe to them as well. So there's that element that they do have. Sure, that yeah. I enjoy. That's quite a mix. That that sounds super interesting. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it. it's a weird, I mean, well, not every song has those three qualities, but their whole category is one of the three, if not all the three at times. Yeah, um, brilliant. <laughs> but I wanted to Sounds ask like you. quite a musician. Oh, he's a killer drummer. Are you kidding me? Um, <laughs> I wanted to ask you, with Dodgeball essentially returning for most of the world during this year, um, what, what strategies would you say you're going to you want to implement to help dodgeball grow in south africa Mm, okay um yeah so we we've identified look let me start with i think we 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 started the the wrong way around as a sport you know um Mm. as an events company we were servicing you know adult players and social players and you know it's it's great getting the the new adult players on i mean i think they, they needed the most um get them out of you know work and away from PCs and everything, but um, they don't always stick for it, you know, as long around and they maybe don't have the time for it. So I guess our strategy that we've been undertaking for the last like, like year or two, obviously post COVID, um, it's definitely the under 18s market. We're seeing it's, it's growing organically. It's, um, you know, there's a lot that you can do with the kids. So we, we're working with, with schools at the moment and we're trying to grow the um, private classes that we've got at schools um, mm. and then we're also trying to open it up to to all areas so i mean we're working with a few underprivileged areas in south africa and we've donated balls to these certain communities and we're offering coaching to them uh, in the hopes that they'll be um coaching and 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 teaching uh, other new leaders within that area to to grow the sport, which can which will eventually then feed into um, the national national side, national federation. Um, but I, I guess this year, you know, apart from from everything, it's more just we would just want to get more people playing and and create a great experience for people when they're playing. You know, and take the politics away, take the money away. Like the money is not a, a massive driver. Um, you know, like I said before the the national team side and the actual sport side is not, it's not where we're making 
you know, money. It's the events is what's actually keeping the business going. Um, but the sports side is what we understand is what actually is going to give it longevity um, and secure the future for the sport one day. Mm. Have you guys tried reaching out to like universities and stuff like that over there? Yeah, um, I guess what like getting it um, registered as an actual sport. So we've got a couple that just play super socially. You know, a lot of schools also play socially, but it's not a an official registered uh, university sport as yet. Um, so that that would definitely be on the cards. I guess that does you know fit in with our youth youth development. Yeah, because I know in the states a lot of times um, our universities they have their own like league, but even then. Um, some universities don't play at that level here. They'll play it like intramurals, kind of like casually. Um, mm, that's definitely yeah. a good market to tap into if you wanted to try to invest in the future, so to speak. Because trust me when I say, if you get a couple university college kids playing, you know, dodgeball, throwing balls at each other, they're going to want to stick around for a long time. If the environment's right and the, yeah. the setting is proper, uh, you might be looking at the future of South Africa, you know, right underneath your fingertips and, maybe something to give Egypt uh, uh, a run for their money, so to speak. Yeah, 100%. No, no, I, I like we'll definitely be implementing some of those strategies over the next couple of months. Um, we've earmarked a couple of big universities in the area that we want to approach. And even if we, we can't get it um, in through legitimate means, that's the actual university supporting it, we might be able to get the student councils to support it um, and to set it up internally which students can then join. Yeah. I mean, either way is going to be a victory for you in that end. Uh, I don't see you guys getting shut out of any university. Should you try? It's just a matter yeah. of what they're willing to do with it on that end. Um, but I wanted to ask you um, before we kind of wrap this up, like what would you like your legacy to be once you step away? Um. I would definitely like the sport to be running and growing itself um, organically um, at a point where um, where it's fruitful to people and where it's actually completely national. So at the moment, we're operating more in the um, Gauteng region and the Western Cape, um, but there's seven provinces. So, you know, we we'd hopefully would like to be in, across all seven provinces and have the network and the structure that are allowing people to to join and grow the sport organically. I mean, I think we saw that um, in the UK quite nicely and probably the States as well. I haven't studied as much the States uh, market, but we saw a lot of, like you said, university uh, a league starting up, uh, area leagues. And, and that was set up because the structures there, they know how to do it. Even from a, a distance, they can still set up and, and operate, so to speak. So I think um, having that set up before I, I you know, move on or whatever the case is, would be would be fantastic. I would say, barring any setbacks with restrictions and everything COVID related, I think you're well on your way of achieving that. I think Thank people you. who are people are going to hear your story, and especially locally over there, and um, you might get more people asking how to be involved. Um, I would hope that, or I would believe rather that people who hear your story that are closest to you are going to, I don't want to say look to replace you, but look to help you in any which way they can. And yeah, I would hope that 
I, I would seriously hope that it, you know, it, it does happen for you. Um, I hope the end isn't, isn't near. <laughs> I'll say that. I hope, I hope there's still a lot of game left. Um, and I definitely admire the work you've done over there uh, for you to pop up on my radar the way you did. Um, trust me when I say like, you're not a nobody. Like if you came up on my radar, chances are you're going to come up on a lot of other people's radars too. So take this moment in the sun and and understand your legacy is being written beautifully, but it's not over yet, man. Keep at it. Thanks, Sergio. Thank you. I really appreciate uh, appreciate those kind words. It's really awesome to hear it from you. Um, <laughs> and uh, I guess I want you know I want to say this the same back to you with keep doing. You know the awesome work that you're doing. I mean, I had a look at the number of podcasts you've done, and it was it's something in the hundreds already. You know, which is which is a lot. That's a that's a huge effort. So, a person like that is obviously helping grow the sport internationally, and you're a pivotal, you know, point and a vital aspect of this um, this beautiful sport and the growth of it. So, thank you. Yeah, man. Thank you. Um, I didn't realize how long it was until I looked back. I'm like, eesh. That's a lot of episodes. <laughs> That's a lot. Um, so do you want to give everyone, anyone a final shout out or um, final dig at Egypt before we wrap up? <laughs> it seems like half yeah. the episode is about you and the other half is how much you despise, not despise, but respectfully uh, want to take down Egypt. Yeah, we have a, a good relationship with them. So on the court, it's quite, it, it gets quite intense, but afterwards we're all friends. Oh yeah, of course. We all chat and everything, so it's great. But um, yeah, I just want to, you know, shout out to the whole um, South African training squad. Um, we're all training very hard at the moment, practicing three or four times a week. We've opened up Saturday boot camps and... Um, Oh wow! Um, everybody's putting in in the time because we've only got about what like twelve to thirteen weeks left before uh, Egypt come down. So we're all working very hard, and, and a massive shout out to all the coaches as well um, that are helping out. They're helping out out of their own, obviously, uh, which is awesome. Um, yeah, um, I guess we've got a lot of work to do, but we're we're super excited for it. For sure. Um, and and also, one thing I just got to mention, Sergio, if there are any, you know, um, referees or referees that have got some experience that are looking to come and visit this beautiful, you know, area of South Africa, we'd be happy to to host you if you want to come <laughs> down and help ref some of the games. We could set you up and host you and take you on tours of, of Cape Town. Sweet. That was actually going to be my final wrap-up question. <laughs> I was going to say, like, um, <laughs> like, how would you – host people if they wanted to come either to RAF or check out South Africa, but you kind of just, you went into that right there on your own. And that was a perfect, <laughs> perfect segue. <laughs> yeah, I was like, <laughs> we, we would host, we would host the guys. Definitely. We've got a bunch of players here that can host. Um, and yeah, we'd love to have people from overseas come down and check us out. Um, especially for the African cup tournament. That'll be awesome. Sure. All right. And that was my interview with Nicholas from South Africa. Thank you so much for hopping on and sharing with us your story and putting South Africa on the map uh, as far as dodgeball goes and all the work you've done thus far. Um, it's just, <laughs> it, it, it really shows um, when he, when he mentioned that he uses dodgeball as part of like a corporate event, as part of his business. 
it shows you that there's ways that the sport can bridge people together and it's a, it's a beautiful thing that he's doing out there and i wish him nothing but the nothing but the best for him and his national program and as well as the growth of dodgeball over in south africa as a whole um as you guys heard steve is back steve damon is back and uh if you think what i did is um impressive and i'm still reeling from the awesome reception that i got from him and just overall in general you haven't seen nothing yet we're you know the next season will be the theme of revival where we're loaded and we're ready to go um just imagine how much more content there is out there um, outside of interviews will be way more recaps in the future uh to kind of quickly summarize that um so if you listen up to the, if you've listened up until this point thank you so much and have a wonderful day